You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Thursday, and that means two traditions now every single week. Thursday night football, and that person that's calling you asking for your Amazon Prime login. Remember, you can only watch Thursday night football on Amazon Prime. And tonight, we got a big divisional matchup between the Browns and the Steelers, and we're going to get a breakdown on all of it. But first, don't forget, tune into an AL East battle Saturday as the Yankees host the Red Sox. You don't say, not a big game there at all. Oh, yeah, it is. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Coverage begins at 12.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And also this weekend, we got college football action. Saturday night, Texas A&M battles Arkansas, presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and, of course, the ESPN app. We're going to get the insights from both sides of tonight's Thursday night football matchup, and we start from the Cleveland side of this with ESPN Browns reporter Jake Trotter. Jake, as always, thanks for the time, my friend. What's the lasting impact of the way the Browns lost their last game into this game? Yeah, Fitz, so... The defense had a players-only meeting this week to talk about what happened. And, you know, as Greg Newsom, Brown's cornerback, put it, guys are mad about it, and they should be mad about it. Like, we're way too talented to allow this to happen. Communication has been the focal point in practice this week. Uh, they've been stressing that really since the loss and ironing those things out because uh, it wasn't just the Jets game. It was the Panthers' fourth quarter as well where they gave up 17 points to, to Baker Mayfield you know, they basically admitted until we figure out these communication issues, we're going to continue to get, you know, we're going to continue to give up big plays downfield in the past. And it's very difficult to win, especially in the AFC, when you have defensive busts like that. So that's going to be the thing to watch, even though the Steelers passing game is not exactly lighting it up either. Yeah, that is an understatement. Uh, how, <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you think the Browns' defensive strategy will be based on what they've seen through the first two weeks from the Steelers? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing they're concerned about is not letting Trubisky get outside the pocket and making plays with his feet and getting confidence and going from there. I mean, they want to keep him in the pocket. Uh, you know, they want to force, you know, third and long and allow Miles Garrett to tee off on him. Now, to Davion Clowney, Cleveland's other pass rusher, is not playing tonight, so it'll be interesting to see you know, how many resources Pittsburgh is able to, to, to devote to stopping Garrett. But, you know, they feel like you know, as long as we keep everything in, you know, in the pocket, you know, don't allow Trubisky to use his athleticism, you know, we should be okay. Because, I mean, let's face it, you know, the Steeler offense has not shown anything this year. And although I would have said that about the Jets offense before last weekend, uh, but the Browns defense, I mean, they're still very talented. They finished very strongly last year. All those guys are back from last season. So, there's no reason they can't iron some of these things out and get back to playing the level they were at uh, toward the end of the uh, 2021 season. So one of the, let's say, surprises so far is Jacoby Brissett played better than some, has thought, some have thought. What have your impressions been? Yeah, I mean, he's been the least of their issues, which is a, a, you know, a total surprise. Uh, you know, he didn't play awesome in the Carolina game, but he got them down the field to set up the game-winning field goal. And then, you know, he was spectacular against the Jets. I mean, he played really, really well. They had the running game going in the fourth quarter. Uh, really was a, you know, kind of a, a you know, it was disappointing because they squandered, you know, one of the best games of Jacoby Brissett's career. Um, you know, he's been much better than he was at Miami. We'll see if he can sustain it. But, you know, based on what I've seen so far, there's no reason he can't play at the level he's been playing at through two games, which is going to allow Cleveland, if that happens, to hang in the AFC race. Let's talk about last week 
what has the attitude been like? What has the rallying cry been like? What has the uh, turn the page message been like after week two? Yes, Sarah. So I asked Amari Cooper, uh, Cleveland's veteran wide receiver, you know, what's your message to the team? And he said, we got to own what happened. We got to learn from it. And then we got to flush it away. And, you know, a lot of guys on the team have kind of downplayed the Pittsburgh game. It's just another game. We're trying to go one and oh every week. Amari kind of had a different mentality about it. He said, you know, this is a divisional game. You know, you win your division, you go to the playoffs. It doesn't matter you know, what happens outside that. So, you know, I think that they're trying to publicly say like, hey, you know, it's just another game, but this is a massive game for the Browns. I mean, if they lose this game, uh, you know, they probably had the easiest schedule in the NFL the first month of the season. And if you're, if you're one and two or two and two after mm. the Atlanta game, I mean, you look at the schedule ahead of that, Sarah, you've got the Chargers, you've got New England, you've got Buffalo and Miami on the road. You've got Cincinnati. You've got Baltimore and then Tom Brady on Thanksgiving weekend. I mean, find me all the wins in that stretch. So they've got to win games that they are favored to win right now. And, you know, you could make the case this is their easiest divisional game of the six, Pittsburgh at home. If you lose this game, uh, you know, there's not a lot of reason for optimism the rest of the year, even though it's only going to be week three. Well, no matter how it plays out, you should always follow him on Twitter, at Jake underscore Trotter. Jake, as always, my friend, we appreciate you. Enjoy the game tonight. Great to talk to you guys. Take care. Let's get the other side of this matchup now from ESPN Steelers reporter, the great Brooke Pryor. Brooke, by the end of this game, are you going to be the quarterback? Like, is Pittsburgh going to figure this thing out? (laughs) Guys, look, it's not going to get that bad. But even (laughs) if I was put in a quarterback and I was given Matt Canada's place, I'm not saying that I should be in the Hall of Fame, but I don't think I can make much of anything happen either. Uh, it's I don't think that this is coming down to just the quarterback. I also don't think that we're going to see a quarterback change in this game. I could be wrong. I could be eating my words, but I think that they will start and end with Mitch Trubisky tonight. What about moving forward, though? How much time does Mitch deserve? How much is this based on... The, the game plan, the weapons, the offensive line, like from watching every snap of these games, what are you blaming on Mitchell and what are you blaming on a bigger picture? Look, I think Mike Tomlin said it best when we talked to him earlier this week and he was asked, you know, what needs to be more aggressive? Does Mitch Trubisky need to be more aggressive? Does the offensive play calling need to be more aggressive? And he said, both of us we need to be more aggressive and Mitch can be more aggressive. And I think that means the Steelers need to dial up more looks down the field. Everyone has mentioned they've got to get George Pickens more involved, which in these conditions, easier said than done. I was just out on the field. The wind is blowing very strongly. So I don't know how many deep shots we'll see tonight or maybe even effective deep shots. But look, I think that, that a large part of this is on the play calling, especially when you hear that Mitch Trubisky does not have the freedom to audible in every play call that he gets. I think that that is an issue that shows to me a lack of trust on the quarterback, and I don't know that that's entirely deserved. Um, I just think that this team also needs to go tempo sooner. We saw how well it worked at the end of the third quarter going into the fourth quarter against the Patriots when they scored their lone touchdown in that game. I think that this team needs to be able to get out and get to a fast start, go no huddle from the jump and see what happens because – what we've seen so far is not working, but this this offense has got to trust Mitch to make the deep shots, and Mitch has got to trust himself to take them. 
The other hey, quick follow-up for you, though. I'm wondering, have you heard anything about players going to Tomlin or speaking to each other about wanting to make the move already at quarterback? No, if anything, this, this locker room supports Mitch Trubisky. I talked with a couple mm. guys this week, including Chase Claypool, who I asked straight up, do you guys still trust and believe in Mitch? And he said, we do. This is not Mitch's fault. Mason Cole, his center, who Mitch Trubisky's known for a long time, also supported Mitch. So I think this locker room, has his back, and a big part of that is the leader that he is. I mean, this is a guy that was voted captain, and so I don't think that they're going to be quick to discard him because they understand that this is more than just the quarterback and what he's throwing or not throwing. Some of it is the calls that he's being given to put in. So, Brooke, if I had told you two weeks before the season started that Najee Harris, after two games, would have 25 attempts for 72 yards, under three yards a rush, I, I would have had to get off Twitter because Steelers fans would have been just absolutely <laughs> awful. Like, what has gone wrong with Najee's portion of this offense? You know, I think if you had told me those numbers, I would have put a big part of the blame on the offensive line. And I don't know that that's the case at this point through two weeks. I mean, part of it has been Najee's health. He's been dealing with that foot injury. Um, and then the second injury that he had in the first game of the season, he says he's completely healthy. But to me, it looks like something isn't quite right there. He doesn't have the same burst. And I think he's just out of sync with the offensive line. I mean, we've seen the videos where he's missed holes. And I think that some of that can come from not being able to practice practice with them completely during during training camp, some not being able to practice or play in the preseason until late. I think that these two units just need to get on the same page more. Um, but I, I don't think this is going to be a long-term issue for Najee Harris. I think that he's going to get healthy and they're going to get back in sync. But the other thing is the run game is handicapped when they can't get the ball down the field to open up the passing game to then uh, prevent the defense from loading up the box against Harris. So uh, if if they can solve that deep ball problem, I think a lot of things open up and the entire offense starts to look a lot better. Brooke Pryor with us, ESPN Steelers reporter. You can follow her at B.E. Pryor. Brooke, what are realistic expectations for the Steelers? I know everyone's really just been focused on whether Tomlin can keep that streak up of no sub-500 seasons, but is there a bigger conversation about what this team, talent-wise, what the ceiling is? I mean, at this point, I think a lot depends on how they can do with T.J. Watt out. I mean, last week was not a great showing by the defense, and I think it presents a very scary scenario for this team that, you know, could they go winless in the next couple games? I don't think so. They have teams like the Jets on the schedule. Not to, not to throw the Jets under the bus, but I think that that's going to be a little bit easier uh, than some other teams that, they, that they've faced. But I do think that, you know, the ceiling, maybe I could see them potentially, potentially, I say this with a large grain of salt, they, things would have to really start turning around beginning with this game, make the playoffs, but the rest of the AFC is so stacked, that's going to be really hard. But I think, you know, I still think that they can go above 500 and, and keep that streak like you mentioned alive, but their pass rush has got to get better without TJ Watt. They've got to do a better job at stopping the run. They did not do that in the fourth quarter against the Patriots. I mean, they did not, to me, look like an above 500 team against the Patriots. They've got to get back to defense being their identity, and the offense has got to start playing better. Otherwise, I think that this streak is going to snap. Follow her on Twitter at B.E. Pryor. Brooke, don't blow away on the field. All right, that's all we ask. Thanks so much for the time. <laughs> I will try not to. <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right, we will keep you updated as the game continues to move along. But – 
of all the things I thought we'd be saying right now, Ben Simmons spoke, and you won't believe what he said. You'll hear some of it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Thursday night football just underway. The Browns got the ball first. Looks like they're about to punt. So we'll keep you updated on that action as it goes on. Uh, they face fourth and ten on their opening drive. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. That's how you get in on the fun. Uh, ben Simmons got in on the fun of the J.J. Reddick podcast, uh, started talking about his time in Philly, Sarah. And I don't know what you can really say that's going to change many people's minds about Ben Simmons and his time. Uh, on, it's called the Old Man and the Three podcast, by the way. It's a, I don't know that you're going to say much that's going to change the way people think about Ben Simmons, but I'm not sure he did himself a lot of favors with Philly loyal fans for the way he sort of approached the conversation. It's interesting because none of it seems right, none of it seems wrong until you actually start dissecting it, parsing it out word for word. Yeah, I think I'm trying to figure out in some of his answers about how his time in Philly was good and he still has a place there, whether he believes that or whether he's trying to paint a rosier picture in the hopes that people will eventually remember it differently. Here's what he said on the Old Man in the Three podcast. People in Philly just want to have something to say about <laughs> anything, man. Like everything, like literally everything. You know, I post a picture of a car or a dog. I got reporters saying you should be in the gym. Like, come on, man. But yeah, for sure. Philly is obviously a, a sports city. And my experience playing there was incredible. Like for the most part, it was incredible. I had a great time. Like the fans are unbelievable. I still have an apartment there. So I do own some real estate in Philadelphia still. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I feel like I'm part of Philly still, but yeah, it's, it's just unique. Like even being in Brooklyn now, it's it's completely different. Like this is a different experience for me. And, and you know, I value just that time I did spend in Philly because, you know, I was able to learn and grow in that city. And I got friends for life there. I got my brother lives there. Like I got family there. So yeah, Philly's great. I don't, I don't think people have like a, a thought that I think that, that, that I hate it. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with what he said. And if he believes all that, great. It's just interesting that that would be some of the takeaways for him from an experience that was so fraught and from a fan base that certainly by the end had uh, absolutely no interest in keeping him around or having anything nice to say about him. Yeah, especially when you hear some of what he's I like. He makes it clear that things are different for him in Brooklyn, to which I would say you're 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 in Brooklyn, not, you know, with the Knicks. Like certain organizations it just sort of hits harder. I didn't have a, a huge hard time with most of that. But he did say something that sort of struck me when he talked specifically about getting kicked out of practice by then coach Doc Rivers. You know, getting kicked out of that, that practice that day, I actually spoke to Doc before practice. I was like, Doc, I'm not ready. And mentally, I'm not ready. Please just understand that. You know, I tried to let him know prior. And he's like, well, I'm going to put you in anyway. I'm like, all right. Told me to get in. I was like, I looked at him. Like, it was like two, it's like one minute into practice. Like, man, get in. I'm like, first of all, no one's, no one's doing that. You're doing this on purpose. And that's how I felt. So I was like, okay, so you're, it's like, it seems like everyone's just trying to f me now. Like I have, I'm getting fined for like not lifting weights, but physically I'm like one of the strongest guys on the f team. So I'm like, now they're finding me for little things. And, and it was just a buildup of obviously I didn't handle things the right way, but also the team didn't either. Yeah. I, I find that to be a little strange when he says, you know, getting fined for little things like working out, you know, lifting weights, that's but I'm the strongest job. guy in the team. It's mm -hmm. like, well, if it's in your contract that you have to lift, then. 
you got to lift, dude. Like, it doesn't really matter how strong you Like, it's in your contract. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think this is where it gets really complicated. And we've talked about this on the show before. How do you distinguish between someone who needs and should be respected for what he needs, time, space, et cetera, for mental health issues, and also respect that in a job like this, you've got a two-way contract and the other side is massively losing out on your absence. And it's a very long absence. And it's an absence that uh, has some, you know, questionable or at least blurry and gray uh, elements to it. If this isn't the job for you, should you leave it? If this is the job for you, but it needs to be the right situation, how open and honest must you be with anybody who's going to acquire your rights or want to play you with what those specific situations need to be for you? I'm really torn on this. I have tremendous empathy for him if he's struggling, but I also, this has been going on a really long time. Yeah, and, and there isn't an easy, in that process, what we get is Ben's side of the story. You know, in those situations, we don't get Doc's side of the same uh, the same story and, and the way it all went down. And you're right. Like, what do you do when somebody says, hey, I'm not ready to practice and coach puts you in anyway. But uh, I can feel sympathy or empathy for that. Uh, it gets tougher when you're talking about the minutia of things where it's like, hey, I didn't do everything the right way, but the team didn't either. Well, I mean, it depends on what the instance is. That's just such a general statement to make. It's got to be hard for Philly fans. And J.J., certainly J.J. Redick wasn't there to push back. J.J. was just letting Ben Simmons, you know, speak his truth, which is which is fine. But I don't know that it gave anybody the opportunity to say, yeah, but to all of it, which at some point, if we really want to see Ben Simmons in a different light, he's going to have to do one of these interviews where maybe he's challenged on some of this. Yeah, I agree. And where we get... I think he deserves all the privacy that he needs for these issues, but he has to recognize that if your job is public facing like this, at some point you're going to do yourself a lot more favors, offering up a little more insight into what's going on and being a little bit more transparent than you do by shielding yourself and, and hiding it. And again, I'm, I'm not going to ask him unfairly to speak out about personal matters, but um, get there's two sides to this. There's two sides to the millions of dollars you're making and you're not playing. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect the stuff you love with renter's insurance. Visit Progressive.com. All right, we'll get you updated on Thursday Night Football Plus. We're going to get you our picks early for this weekend. That's coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz on a Thursday night on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. It's Thursday, which means Thursday Night Football is going on. We got Steelers-Browns. It's scoreless right now. It's about eight or so to play in the first quarter. We'll keep you updated on that. It's also our last show of the week. This show is bumped tomorrow. So we got to do our picks for the weekend tonight. And we are in a heated race with the rest of the ESPN radio slate. We are tied for second. Only show beating us right now is Freddie and Fitzsimmons. They beat us every night in book and guess, but now they're beating us in the pick and challenge. <laughs> um, and we got to we got to make up some ground. And this week is a Jason Fitz picks week Ooh. where he'll get to make the picks on the three games. And I can argue with them all I want, but his pick stands. Let's get into it. Oh, that we're intro getting right goes into it. Hard. We're mm. getting, yeah, no, we're getting right into it. Bills, Dolphins. This one is a big spread, minus six. 
the Bills got to win by at least six for anyone that doesn't uh, following the gambling world. Uh, that That's where we are in this one. I thought a lot about this game, honestly, throughout the course of the day. I've been asked a couple of times on different radio stations about this game. Everybody wants to make it close because of the way we saw the Dolphins finish. But I keep thinking about the way I saw the Dolphins start, where they couldn't get off the field, and defensively they looked a step slow against everything the Ravens were doing. Yes, they came back in the game, and yes, it was tremendous fourth quarter. But if they couldn't match up against the Ravens, what in the hell are they going to do against the Bills? The answer is that Stephon Diggs is just going to keep feasting and feasting and feasting. Josh Allen is going to continue his dominance, and I think the Bills are going to win and win easily. So I I feel comfortable, Bills, even though it's a big spread, a little nervous, I feel comfortable that the Bills can win by at least six. Sarah, do you feel good about this? Any any thoughts? I feel good about your pick. I feel good about your pick. I would say uh, we've talked about the Bills, how dominant they've been. Their point differential of 55 is the most for any team that started a season against two playoff teams. And also the Bills versus deep balls. The way the Dolphins got back into that game and ended up beating Baltimore was with that track team of wide receivers. The Bills versus deep balls since the start Start of last year, first in opponent QBR completions and have allowed no touchdowns on passes 20 plus yards downfield. Now, there is an addendum to that because the Bills secondary is completely beat up. And to face a team that's got Hill and Waddle with secondary guys in your secondary is terrifying. But I believe in what you're saying. And I believe that the Bills have done enough through the first two weeks to tell me that they could beat this Miami team by at least six. Yeah, the question is, can Tua get the time to throw to uh, those mm-hmm. wide receivers? If he can... Yeah, they haven't get, fast yeah. re- faced a real pass rush through the first two weeks, and Lord knows the Bills are going to bring one. Alright, so we are both in agreement, and my pick stands anyway, but we're going to take the Bills. By the way, quick update, the uh, Steelers decided to go for a field goal even though it was like 742 mile an hour wins. That's a fact. No need to Google they it. Uh, surprisingly, it. Uh, they missed the field goal. So, uh, you still zip zip. Alright, let's move to the next game. Do you think the guy that voices these knows he sounds a badass at everything he does? Like, of I want course. him to walk up and be like, of how course. much are the chips? Uh, I, Packers- mean, I don't know. Do you know what you sound like? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> That's a, never never lost on me. All right. Packs and Bucks. This is the toughest of the games to pick because you know that I'm not high on the Buccaneers, uh, but I am high on the Bucks' defense. Uh, I'm not. I don't love their offense. I love their defense. And now they're taking on a Packers team that I don't love the offense for. So this feels like an ugly, ugly game. Now, the Bucks are only favored by one. So this really is just as simple as who do I think is going to win it? So now it's a question of Aaron Rodgers and a bunch of wide receivers nobody really gives a damn about against a really good defense or or Tom Brady and an offense that seems inept against a pretty good Packers defense. The the, the issue here for me is the pass rush, which we know and we, we covered yesterday. Uh, there's been plenty of opportunities to get sacks on, uh, on Aaron Rodgers, whether it's because he's holding the ball too long, guys aren't getting open, or because guys can get after him. I think this defense feasts, has a big old meal. I think the Packers lose this game to the Bucs. Mm. You feel good about this that? This is so tough. Yeah. This pits together two of the things in my – uh, sports almanac. Remember, said I was not going to pick against Aaron Rodgers anymore uh-huh. after what he'd done to the Bears, and I wasn't going to pick against Tom Brady anymore, regardless of age. So, something's got to give. Uh, the thing that scares me the most against uh, about the Bucks, despite that defense, of course, is the offensive line. But who is Tom Brady going to throw it to? Mike Evans is suspended. Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson, Randall Cobb. None of them practice today for Packers Bucks. So that's a whole bunch of dudes on both sides of the ball that aren't going to be available for their quarterbacks. Who's going to fare better with garbage weapons? They both have had to do it at times in their career. And I have a little bit more faith in the Bucks. 
Uh, as far as the defense goes. Look at this. So I'm going to say the Bucks. All right. So we agree so far. We're, we're agreeing on, oh, this is very disinteresting if we don't have a disagreement somewhere. Uh, but you know what? Or it's a sign Terrified. that we are just, we are linked and we are on the same page. <laughs> Let's see if that continues with the third and final of the radio pick'em games. So the 49ers are favored by a point and a half in Denver. And, you know, this, I, I, I'm a little surprised that it's not bigger. Like, I saw this line and I was like, man. I think the 49ers are a better team than the Broncos. And I know we keep talking about how the Broncos are putting up massive numbers of yards, right? And we, we know that the offense is is accumulating a bunch of stats, but it's not led to a bunch of confidence in the Broncos particularly. Uh, Russell Wilson has looked meh as we've covered. So now I got to look at two teams where I feel like one quarterback, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, I feel like I believe in Jimmy G more than I believe in <laughs> Russell Wilson, which is feels icky to say, but I definitely don't feel icky saying that I believe in Kyle Shanahan more than I believe mm-hmm. in in Hackett. So, you know, for me, on two teams that have some ways that they're balanced, I think they both they both play good defense. Uh, the advantage offensively goes to the 49ers. So I think the 49ers win this. I, I, I don't have a problem with the point and a half. Yeah, it's interesting because you actually are looking at uh, statistically some, some decent numbers for the Broncos. If you remember, they had 433 yards in that week one loss. Uh, they put up a lot of numbers despite not winning that game and a lot of the mistakes. And I think that's showing up in the fact that they are seventh in overall offense right now with 391 and a half yards per game, while San Francisco is just 15th. San Francisco definitely held back by that monsoon in week one. I think the issues for San Francisco are on the ground. You don't have Trey Lance's versatility anymore, and Elijah Mitchell got hurt. So the running game is not going to be great. But Jimmy Garoppolo, his quick release and his knowledge of this team and his his experience, um, I think I have more faith in the Niners and the coaching staff over there. I worry about Russ's lack of mobility and run, and I also, of course, worry about Nathaniel Hackett getting 11 more delay of games. Uh, yeah, I'm also worried. I mean, Jerry Judy is questionable. Uh, Patrick Sertain the second is is questionable. Yeah, that's going to be a big thing. You know, Justin Simmons obviously out. We all know that at this point. So I think there's enough holes there. I'm going 49ers. Uh, we I agree. Ag- we agreed agree. on all three. And mm-hmm. Devin pointing out that we've now gone with all three favorites, which never works out. Oh, okay. uh, but because we're Spain and Fitz, we also stay true to our word. We're going to pick a couple extra games. We like to pick our favorite team, and we start with the Texans at the Bears. And and Sarah, I'll keep this short and simple. I don't think the Texans are very good. I know <laughs> that they've been more competitive than most myself included expected but frankly i think the bears uh, the bears are favored by two and a half here i feel pretty good if i was a chicago bears fan yeah i uh, i have to say i had to look up some statistics last night i was helping uh out with the houston chronicle piece about this matchup i found some pretty depressing statistics let me just give you oh. a handful of them the right. bears are dead last in opponent rushing yards 189 and a half given up uh, and they are dead last in total passing yards, 153 through two games, 153 in two games. Mm. Uh, also, somehow, Justin Fields, uh, if you recall, there are 32 teams in the league. Uh, Justin Fields is somehow 33rd in passing yards. <laughs> so he's behind uh, Dak, who got hurt. Trey Lance, who got hurt, and Cooper Rush. So passing attempts through week two, just uh, just uh, worse than dead last. Um, that being said, 
There are a lot of issues for the Texans as well. They've already given up six sacks to Davis Mills. They have a totally porous run defense, and David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert are a nice one-two punch there. And I think the Bears' defense can probably capitalize with a defensive score in part because of the pressure that they'll be able to get on Mills. So I'm going with the Bears. See? Look at this. We agree on everything, by the way. Wow. Uh, touchdown, Browns. Uh, drinks are on me. Uh, all right. So let's uh, let's get to the last game on the slate. Did you did you make a bet, Fitz? Did you make did you make a little wager? I, I got a little wager there, and uh, nice. now that the first Browns score, are up by seven, uh, not yeah, it, it's it, it's look at me. Uh, well, I'll be in town next week, so drinks are on you. No drinks are on radio that, next that week. Eighteen Justin, dollar glass of cab is yeah. looking even better. <laughs> Justin Craig's going to be buying your glass of cab, and he's going to be buying me an espresso <laughs> martini. Like Ooh, I'm going delightful. fancy. All right, so Raiders Titans Raiders favored by two. This comes down to two players for the Titans. Taylor Lewan, uh, obviously, we know that he was hurt last week. Uh, he is not. Not expected to play, obviously. His replacement gave up more uh, more hits and pressures to the quarterback mm. in one game than Lawan's given up in his last nine starts combined. Ooh. So they're about mm. to take on a big pass rush. And speaking of pass rush, Bud Dupree likely not going to play in this game for the Titans. That will hurt their ability to get after Derek Carr. This is the game where the Titans, uh, the, the sorry, the Raiders open it up. Raiders favored by two. I would have taken the Raiders favored by six. I think they win by at least a touchdown. Titans are going to get thumped in Nashville. There's a around the NFL podcast that calls 0 and 2 teams cornered animals. Mm, yes. And so they described this on uh, NFL.com as the cornered animal game of the week because you've got two winless teams facing off. Uh I, I, I think Mike Vrabel tends to get his team playing decent in games like this, but I think the Titans are a lost cause. I have a lot more faith in your Raiders, so unfortunately for me, I'm agreeing with you again. Ooh, we agreed on all of our games, so we'll see. We keep you updated. We keep ourselves honest. We'll see how it plays out. By the way, I fully expect the Raiders will be in the zone Sunday. Get in the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Go out there and look at those Devontae Adams numbers because there's no way he only has two, uh, two catches in this game as well. All right, it's all. It's not all about the NFL. There were some interesting college football games this weekend. Plus, we've asked you the most important food question you'll ever be asked in your life, and we will tell you what the answers are next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We've asked you a lot of questions tonight. I understand we're the ones that we're supposed to be providing the information, the entertainment, the takes, but sometimes we outsource some of that. And tonight is one of those nights. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We asked you uh, the most important question. We'll start with that one, which is uh, the food item that if you see a photo or video of it, you immediately need to go get it. If I give you pizza, can you beat me? Someone accurately said, I'm not going to beat anyone that's giving me pizza. That's a good, <laughs> a good way to approach things. I got a lot of ribs. I got a lot of tacos. I got a lot of wings. And I got some chocolate chip cookies. Those are the ones that uh, were most prevalent. A lot of sliced meats. Sliced and meats. Sliced meats. Steaks, barbecue, etc. And then wings. And then uh, and then ribs. And, oh, and French fries got a few nods too. And I will tell you that one time we did a show on best food to eat during a sport. And the number of gifts of fries I got immediately made me order French fries that night. So there is some proof of concept there. I uh, I cannot get over how many uh, gooey cheese things I've seen mm. that I want to eat. By the way, I also can't get over 
uh, Pickens just had one of the most incredible, like, I mean, I, I'm still a little shooketh. Everybody will see it on social media. If there's ever been one of those Odell Beckham Jr. type catches that they're going to play for the rest of his career, he just had one of those in the Steelers what? game. So uh, Pittsburgh driving, but thanks to a a catch that is surreal. I, I can't describe it other than it's one-handed and it's against his body going a total different direction. So I'm uh, delayed. Was it end of first quarter or beginning of second? Um, it, it, it just happened like a minute ago. So I, I, I don't know where we are on the clock because right. I'm in commercial now. I'll have uh, to go back and find so it So it's the later. end of the first. It was All right, the then I missed first. it. Then I missed it and I'll have to loop back around. I'm always delayed from whatever you're talking about over so, there. Um, uh, but yes. Another I have Quick. learned I have learned quickly that gooey cheese is my weakness. Gooey cheese yeah. is the weakness yeah. for sure. Uh, we also gave you the statistics. Since 2021, the Dolphins are undefeated against starting quarterbacks whose last names contain the letter O, and they've lost every game otherwise. 21-point comeback on Sunday kept that streak alive. We asked you, is there a more ridiculous statistic than that one? Now, most people said, no, I'm so sorry, we can't provide one. But we got two decent ones. At Patty Rick 84 said, uh, maybe not more ridiculous, but it'll never be topped. And certainly ridiculous when you think about it. It's the famous Gretzky stat. Needed the fewest games to score 1,000 points. The player who needed the second fewest, also Gretzky, with his second 1,000 points. Also, of course, the statistic where Gretzky, if you took away all of his goals, still has more points than anybody in the history of hockey or something like that. Uh, Gretzky gives you a lot of those. This is a good, ridiculous one from Joe Streppa. Uh, Larry Ball was on the 72 Dolphins and the Buccaneers' first season, making him the only player to experience a perfect season and a winless season. Oh, that's wild. That's I love one. that. Like, it's not nearly as ridiculous as having the letter O in your quarterback's name, but it's a good one. The, the question is, what is that going to do? Because, you know, Devin did the math earlier. And it means if this continues that the Dolphins will finish, what, 11 and 6, right? So if we're talking about 11 and 6, the only problem with that is Jared Allen. Uh, there's no O in that. So they'll they'll mm-hmm. lose. Or Josh Allen. Uh, well, Josh uh, yeah. O. Allen, as nah. someone pointed out. Uh, what if he converted to Irish, uh, which I don't think is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you're out on that one. Uh, but you do have Mac Jones. So you'll be able to beat Mac Jones in your division mm-hmm. for the – for the rest of time, we feel, I mean, we feel good about where this stacks them up we'll in the see. division. We'll I, see. That's just... uh, it's worth keeping an eye on. There's another stat someone dropped. I don't know if it's true, but if it is, uh, Derek Christensen said, Larry Fitzgerald has more career tackles than passes dropped. Oh, my God. That's if true. Big if true. Look, I, uh, I mean, even if it's not true, that's a heck of a, that's a heck, just go with it. You're going to like it. Even it's if Twitter. It's We're going true. with it. We're just making uh, it a thing. Final social question we asked you, and it's Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. You can follow us at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. Uh, should Michael Kay's voice be the voice you hear for every Aaron Judge at bat for the rest of the regular season, regardless of broadcast network? Or is it just the reality of current broadcast rights that he might not call it? This was pretty close. 56.2% said, them's the breaks. Mm. 43.8% said, should be K. Certainly some diehard Yankees fans chimed in and said, you know, Yankees fans will tell you it needs to be him. If you've got a beloved announcer, you get it. Uh, but MLB should have made it possible and not put K in the trade to Apple TV position. And a lot of other people said, hey, reality is it might not happen. So give someone else a shot and them's the breaks. Yeah, I, I think this is just one of those things where the fine line is that for Yankees fans, you look at it and you say, man, I know the voice you want to hear. For baseball overall, the the more exposure that Apple TV gets, the more exposure their broadcast gets, the more fans that come to it, 
I think that's even better long term for everything. So, you know, I was talking to one of our uh, affiliates today in New York, and we were just talking upstate New York, talking about Aaron Judge in general. And I, I think we forget sometimes for all of us that are around sports all the time, these moments mean growth for kids that are all of a sudden watching Aaron Judge's every at bat. I remember doing it with mm-hmm. Sosa and McGuire. I, there are kids right now that are going to grow up Judge kids. And if it takes that to get people to watch baseball wherever it's broadcast, that's a win for fans of the sport. Agreed. I agree. By the way, I just saw that Pickens catch. Dang! Yeah. I mean, good Lord. And Devin Devin immediately said what 90% of fans say when they see something like that. Got him on my fantasy team. Uh, And that's just where we are right now. You know, I see a touchdown and immediately I'm like, drinks on me because I play. We see a great catch and it's like, oh, I'm winning fantasy matchup like that is what what the nfl has become kudos to to that though like it makes the the watch process more enjoyable how many times do you think they're going to show the catch Uh, uh, not enough for the rest of our lives right hey fitz uh we got two minutes you're going to give us the fastest two minutes in college football yeah the fastest two minutes in college football tells you this you should check out game day because florida's in knoxville at neyland stadium for uh, gators versus vols that is one of the best rivalries of the last 30 years and it means everything to both of those schools it's going to be a wild atmosphere to be back in Knoxville and it's a really high-paced Knoxville team down at University of Tennessee uh, taking on a team in Florida that likes to beat you up so I think that's going to be a really interesting game and also my favorite fun fact of all of college football this weekend is that UMass is hosting Liberty University and they decided that that was the best time ever to have Pride Day on campus I I could not give you a bigger standing ovation UMass that is a way to just put it out there that is a tremendous troll job and I'm here for it I, I'm here for it. Uh, hey, by the way, don't forget, tune into an NL East battle tomorrow night as the Phillies host the Braves. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We'll be keeping an eye on that. We'll be keeping an eye on uh, college football and the NFL, on our picks to see if we can catch up. I will also be out in Connecticut starting tomorrow. Ooh. So I will hopefully be seeing you in person and Devin in person and my other Connecticut ESPN faves. Um And then, like you said, getting those drinks on Justin's tab. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.